0: Hey there, and welcome to the latest episode of the Mind Body Health Podcast with myself, Dave Sheehan, dedicated now for over 25 years to educating, motivating, and I do truly hope inspiring you to evolve into the best version of yourself and to live your best life because it's there for you. The power is there in our hands. And as we stress in this podcast all the time, it's about taking personal responsibility and doing what you can to move your life to where you want it to be and where it can be because we have unlimited potential and we can be who we want to be. We can live the life we want, but we have to take action. It's about taking action. And as I said, educate, motivate, inspire. So it's a big part to education, which today's episode is going to be a huge part of. Um, I'm delighted to have Dr. Neto on from the UK, a highly regarded and respected obstetrician and gynecologist, specialist in PCOS and periods and menopause and author of Living PCOS Free. This is going to be a different kind of topic to what maybe we've done before, but it's one that's super, super important. And it's one I feel both men and women need to learn so much more about. And this is where, as I said, like education is key. So, Dr. Netu, thank you for your time. I know you live a very, very demanding life. So, I'm delighted that you've taken time out to be on the Mind Body Health podcast.
1: Thank you. Uh, yes, it's demanding, but uh, thank you, Dave, um, for inviting me. Uh, yes, my life is demanding, but in a nice way. Uh, uh, you know, there's nothing that I do that is uh, painful or not pleasurable. So uh, I wouldn't call it demanding in that way. Yes, it's demanding yeah. on my hours and my sleep in some ways, but I love what I do. So I'm so happy to be here. And hopefully uh, everybody who's listening, as uh, all genders, what I have to say doesn't uh, only resonate with women it's for everybody to uh, take on board Um, and so I'm really happy to share whatever I know with you.
0: It's great having you here and um, you know it's like I said at the start I touched on and we spoke of just before we came on you know this is a whole area that everyone needs to more know more about like men in particular are very ignorant towards this and women a lot of women are just uneducated towards it plus they feel they don't have any control it's just it is what it is when, as you'll share throughout this interview, you know, there's a lot that women can do to improve the situation and possibly even eliminate. Like, we have the power to improve our situations in many ways, but especially in the pain that many women experience during periods.
1: Yes. I just want to start off by saying that. Um, Uh, First of all, when I refer to the word women, I also use those assigned female at birth. So not everybody identifies as a woman later on or right from the start. So it's important that we include everybody. But important to also understand is that surveys have shown that one in four women don't know where, for example, their vagina is. Uh, One in two women don't know where the neck of the womb or cervix is. One in 10 actually don't even know where the reproductive organs are. So it's really important for those who are listening to actually get to know your body better, get to know, understand how the male and female body works, uh, the different organs. And so we have the uterus, which is the womb. And from that arises two beautiful slender fallopian tubes with flower shaped uh, fimbrial ends at the end, which then help to move the egg, which is released from the egg baskets so or the ovaries uh, in the body. These sit very low inside the woman's pelvis. In most situations and the womb connects through the neck of the womb or the cervix into the vagina to the exterior which is the vulval area uh, the outside part which starts from the top of the mound of the pubis right down to the top of the back passage or anus so it's really important to know these different words what do you mean by vulva what do you mean by vagina what do you mean by cervix what do you mean by uterus what do you mean by ovaries or the fallopian cheeks, why? Because when you get to know your body better, what happens is you can then know when things are not right and actually explain it better, articulated, better to your health professional, to your doctor, so that you are not, because you only have 10-15 minutes, and when you sit in the oh. doctor's chair, like I'm sitting in this podcast chair, you tend to forget things, and so what is useful to do is to actually write down your, your symptoms, write down what medical or surgical history you've had, uh, so far so that you have all the information that is there. When did your periods first ever start? When was your last period? What are your periods like? What allergies do you have? What drugs are you on? What do you want out of the consultation? These things are so important, whether you're a man or a woman, having this information because you get 10, 15 minutes with your doctor. And if you don't have this information, you're sitting and thinking about, you know, where, how are your bowel movements or how many cigarettes you smoke or what, how much of alcohol do you drink? what happens is you lose precious time. And so you want that information out there and you want to understand how your body works. You don't have to be a scientist. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a health professional. All you want to know are the basics which should really be taught in school properly and then carried out through public health education. And the government has to take a lot of responsibility for it. But at the end of the day, as we spoke before, you as a person have responsibility because nobody else loves your body as much as you do. Not your mother, not your father, not your uh, partner. You are responsible for your body. And so you have to look after it with care. Talk to it like as if he or she uh, or they were your best friend. And your so, body
0: talks back to you as well. Yes, That's because if you your body.
1: stop and think and say to yourself, I'm ugly or I'm, I'm um, not worth it, what happens is, would you talk like that to somebody that you really, really care for? Whether it is your child or your best friend, would you talk like that? If the answer is no then don't talk to yourself like that. So that's what I would say. Self-care, before you do anything else, self-care and knowing your body are the two things that I want everybody to take away from this podcast. That's what you want to do so that you can then take the next step forward.
0: Yeah, such important uh, message, you know, because each person needs to realize that they are the most important person in their life. And Correct. So often that doesn't happen. And especially again with mothers in particular, we're probably the most guilty of that, where everyone else is the more important person. Yes. But we individually are the most important people in our lives. And the other thing, like you were saying, there in terms of just the basic knowledge of your body and body parts. Different and areas. That's what we
1: do in, in our book as well, uh, David, Living PCOS Free. What uh, Rohini and I have done is we've got simple diagrams to try and explain to people, uh, you know, how their body looks and what is what to expect in their body. So just understanding that there are different parts of your body that you should be aware of. And uh, the thing about mothers is that it's, it's cultural, it's society, that women have always been told that to shrink themselves to make themselves lesser to make themselves smaller and uh, including mothers and, and anybody uh, grandmothers mothers women in, in general so what happens is we've never taken our health uh, into consideration uh, even though we have a whole speciality dedicated to women's health so i asked my patients why don't you uh, talk about painful sex or urinary incontinence or uh, vulval uh, problems and things they said, because doctor we don't want to waste the doctor's time we think our problem is not important enough we thought that we will do it after um, you know i have really heavy periods i have patients on my street who have ended up on my in my hospital needing a blood transfusion because they've been having such heavy periods and because they felt oh i'll just wait for my uh, son's gcse to finish For my daughter's, uh, you know, know, prom to be over, whatever. Or, you know, my daughter's A-levels to be done. So when you do that, you put yourself back. And of course, then ill health may may jump in and take decisions for you that you don't want those decisions. You know, well before you actually prevented it.
0: Yeah, like it'll always creep up and, you know, your body speaks to you and the body will only take so much. So it will always stop you eventually. So this is where, again, people need to start, you know, learning and there's more. Not a single,
1: more there's not a single health condition, not one that does not benefit from bringing in lifestyle changes. The six yes. lifestyle pillars is there's not a single general health condition, whether it is you're trying to prevent heart disease, uh, you know, whether you're trying to reduce your risk of cancer, whether you're trying to reduce your risk of getting high blood pressure, whatever your genetics may have thrown at you. There is not a single general health condition, type two diabetes, you know, you name it, uh, mental health, all these things, including women's health. There's not a women's health condition that does or reproductive health condition that does not benefit from actually working on these six lifestyle pillars. You may need medication at the same time. There's no medication shaming. I'm very clear that people need surgery in some situations I'm a surgeon myself I operate every week several times that you may need medications for your blood pressure for your diabetes but that does not mean to or you might need chemotherapy radiotherapy but whatever you do lifestyle should be part and parcel of that education that we give to the person and for you to take on board to see what changes can I bring in that can actually help me live the best life I can
0: Mm. And this is what I love so much about what you do is that you push so much the, the power of lifestyle and lifestyle changes. And especially in an industry that you're in where it's total flip, lifestyle is often rarely <laughs> regarded or even asked about by yeah, doctors. That's because we're support. not taught,
1: Dave. Exactly. We're not taught it. Not- we're not taught it in, in medical school. So the doctors... Tend to get the same information where the public get it from, from tabloids and broadsheets and things like that, uh, from the social media. And so they don't know exactly. So they feel hesitant. And often these doctors are also teaching nutritionists and dietitians So again, that information is not necessarily robust enough. So uh, what happens is, you know, I'm not a cardiologist. So if somebody has a cardiac condition, I'm not going to try and treat it. So that's what I tell doctors as well. Find people who are actually interested in lifestyle medicine who are interested in the lifestyle approaches educate yourself but also don't feel bad to refer somebody to the right nutritionist the right dietitian the right doctor uh, so that they can look at this aspect if you don't feel confident in addressing that there are plenty of people around who can actually do that now
0: yeah and i think that's a really important point that people need to kind of leave the ego at home and yes. refer when they need to refer to someone who is in a better position to help the client Daddy. or the patient to do that, because we all need to be in this together and help each other collectively. Yeah.
1: The person is the most important. So rather than having this tussle between the wellness world where they say, you know, don't take any medication, it's all um, dangerous, it's all poison, don't take hormone replacement therapy, don't take the uh, contraceptive pill, don't take the, um, you know, um, diabetic medication, while the doctors, on the other hand, say, oh, lifestyle, not that important, you know, really just lead a healthy lifestyle. And the person goes away completely confused. So that's what I'm trying to do is to bring those two worlds. It's not one or the other. They both should walk side by side. That's the definition of lifestyle medicine. It's not alternative medicine. It's not functional medicine. It is medicine that is evidence-based therapeutic approaches to lifestyle that can actually help either on its own to prevent uh, conditions, chronic conditions, and many women's health conditions, and also treat it and in some situations put it into remission. We don't like to use the word reverse because obviously if you go back to sleeping badly or stressing more or Mm. not exercising or not eating, uh, you know, the foods that actually nourish you uh, or being lonely, then those conditions may all come back up again. So reversal is not a word I like using. I like to use the word remission so you can put it and you can be in control. That's why our book is called Living PCOS Free. That means the polycystic ovary syndrome, the condition that that affects is the most common endocrine condition that affects uh, women of the reproductive age group, uh, is the most common hormonal condition that affects women we say that you know while you can't cure pcos there is so much you can do to control it pcos should polycystic ovary syndrome should not be in your should not be controlling you you should be controlling it and there are so many ways of doing that
0: yeah and uh, and dr Netu, to clarify for people who maybe again a lot of people don't really understand the terms or what these things are yes. or even have ever heard of the words Correct. I, even for myself like it's only in the last couple of years i've become more and more aware of a lot of these yes. things from people I know who have gone through immense pain pre-period Correct. and during period, So it's arose my curiosity. We yes. like PCOS and indra, indra, how do you pronounce it Endometriosis. Endometriosis, Endometriosis. and there's an adenomyosis as well. Adenomyosis. That's it. Yes. I can explain all
1: those terms very uh, simply for you. Yeah, if
0: you do that so people can understand better what they are as we discuss it.
1: So we'll start with periods because it's really important to understand the menstrual cycle. Um, Most um, young people who menstruate will start their periods by the age of 16. If after the age of 15, uh, either if you're listening or if you have a child who has not started their period, um, you must take her to the doctors, even if it's just for reassurance, because it's important. So most people start anywhere between the ages of eight and, and 16. The average age is about 12 to 13. Uh, and then you tend to stop your periods between the ages of 45 and 55. And that is the menopause. The average age is 51 uh, all over the world, generally. So 51 for completely stopping your periods when the number of eggs that you're born with in your ovaries drop and so your hormone levels drop and and between the ages of 8 and 16 you start your periods so there is this big group some people will stop their periods much earlier uh, and that is known as premature ovarian insufficiency we're not talking about that today but this is the general uh, life cycle of of the periods now periods tend to be um, when you menstruate every month between 24 and 35 days is the normal duration uh, or frequency of cycles if you're missing periods if you're having delayed periods if your periods are coming every couple of months every 3 months and you're not approaching the menopause or you don't have any other obvious cause you know severe stress or you're going through medications one has to rule out conditions like polycystic ovary syndrome. So polycystic ovary syndrome, so periods, so we got it 24 to 35 days, any bleeding more than seven days, any bleeding that involves large clots, the size of a 50 pence coin or, um, Flooding, or you're leaking through your sanitary, um, uh, through your uh, period products. I don't like the word sanitary. Actually, trying to get away from those words, uh, from your uh, menstrual or period products. What happens is that means that you're having heavy periods. So periods that last more than seven days are associated with unusual amount of pain that affects the quality of your life. Remember, two weeks of a woman's life um, in a year is, is taken up with um, you know being unwell from periods. And that's a lot of work days that are lost. And if workplaces don't actually recognize that, that can be a real issue. True. Plus, you may be at work and actually can't focus because you're in that. And you're also, there's a stigma. So you're hiding and going with your tampon or your pad uh, and things like that. So
0: that's a, that's a big thing, though, Dr. Netu, that needs to change the whole taboo and shame yes. around this area. Yes. So That's why it's important to get this information out there.
1: Yes. And I encourage all the men listening, go out, buy the period products uh, with your uh, daughter or your partner so that, you know, people actually understand it's okay if you are uh, that person who's actually talking about this freely and encourage those discussions at home as well. And so um, period should last, you know, how light it is doesn't really matter, but It shouldn't be more than seven days. If it is more than seven days, if it's heavy, if it's clots, if it's very painful, if you're needing to take a lot of medications, if it's affecting the quality of your life, then that needs attention. The cycle length is between 24 and 35 days. And so if this is out of the ordinary, then that needs uh, attention. and Because that could uh, signify symptoms of conditions like endometriosis. Endometriosis is where the lining of the womb every month gets shed like a period. Tissue, which is very similar to that lining, gets stuck outside on your ovaries. You know, those egg baskets I talked about to the back of the womb and can cause painful periods, pain on intercourse and on sex. Um, it can cause a chronic pelvic pain. It can cause nausea, vomiting. It can cause uh, fertility issues and infertility, a lot of scarring and ovarian cysts. So endometriosis is a chronic condition. And I'll never forget this patient of mine who came back and came and told me, Dr. Bajikal. I just wish people could see what pain I'm going through. Sometimes I feel my fate is worse than cancer or as bad as cancer because I look normal and nobody wants to empathize because they don't realize what a struggle it is with my chronic fatigue and my chronic pain. And I tell you this, I heard this 25 years ago, and that was one of the things that triggered me to start looking at patients more as people, as a whole person, rather than just a symptom to be uh, managed condition that endometriosis I would do surgical treatment for of course they need that but they also need everything else to be looked at so endometriosis, focus on
0: cause like a yes. big focus on cause yeah
1: correct so endometriosis is a condition that's a painful condition usually it has several grades not everybody has pain but heavy periods painful periods chronic pain chronic fatigue infertility scarring bowel symptoms uh, ovarian cysts all these, which contain dark blood because you bleed into the ovary and it's known as chocolate cysts because it do look like dark chocolate. Uh, so that is endometriosis. Polycystic ovary syndrome is the most common endocrine or hormonal disorder to affect women of reproductive age. So between the ages of say eight or 10 uh, up to menopause with symptoms going into the menopause with womb cancer, increased risk and type two diabetes and heart uh, disease. But during, uh, when you have the, how do you think that you may have polycystic ovary syndrome? And we discussed that everything in the book in Living PCOS 3 with help of case studies, myth busters, pointers and talking less medical jargon. So when, if somebody is listening and they say, oh, I do have acne that is beyond my teenage years. So cystic acne, painful acne that is on your chin, on your jaw, on your neck, on your back is a sign of excess amounts of androgen, which is one of the most common androgens we all have heard of a testosterone. Testosterone is not a male hormone. Testosterone is present in all genders, men, women, children, it just present in different amounts in different stages of your life. So your levels of testosterone will be very different from when you were a teenager, from when you're a 90 year old man. Similarly, testosterone is very different in a menopausal woman from a woman who's actually uh, in her teenage years or in the reproductive age group. So testosterone excess or androgen excess can cause uh, symptoms of uh, cystic acne or painful acne, nodular acne, and any acne that persists beyond the age of 25 has to be taken very seriously. Also other signs of androgen excess, hair growth where you don't want it, on your chin, excess amount where you're having to remove it all the time, on your chest, on the inner sides of your thigh. Again, a sign that you may be battling with androgen excess and female pattern hair loss so, uh, hair loss from the top of your head. So these are the three constellation of symptoms that one of these, if you have, you might be thinking, oh, do I also miss my periods? Are my periods coming every 40 days, 45 days, 60 days? A combination of those two pretty much will tell you that you are having this condition of polycystic ovary syndrome. Some women will have one or the other, but you need two out of the three criteria. So you also sometimes would benefit from having an ultrasound scan, not for teenagers. Teenagers have to have those clinical. Clinical symptoms, but either the, with the help of the ultrasound, you might see this little um, ring-like rosary appearance of these empty, immature egg follicles. There are no cysts, so the word polycystic is a misnomer, so it's basically the immature egg Egg follicles that are sitting just below the surface of the ovary and are not growing to maturity. So none of so the main reason why somebody is missing their periods in polycystic ovary syndrome is because they're not releasing an egg every month. So they have all these little follicles all racing to the surface to become the the, the queen, you know. But none of them are selected. So what happens is you basically have. This condition where sometimes on the ultrasound your ovaries appear enlarged or have this rosary appearance or pearl necklace like appearance of these follicles. You may not have to have, you don't have to have that, but if you have that along with a missed or delayed period, then you have a uh, polycystic ovary syndrome. If you have a uh, acne, and you have missed periods, you have uh, most likely got polycystic ovary syndrome. It's a diagnosis of exclusion. So you do have to rule out ovarian tumors, adrenal gland tumors, and blood tests. Some blood tests we do to actually check what are the levels of testosterone, what are the levels of the protein that are released by your liver. So basically, it's a condition that is the hallmarks tend to be period problems, missing periods, and, uh, and uh, signs of androgen excess. The interesting thing is you may also have men in your family who show characteristics of PCOS. How do we know that? So men listening to uh, this, men thinking, wow, are you telling me I don't have ovaries? Well, polycystic ovary syndrome is not a disease of the ovaries. It just affects the function of the ovaries. It causes hormonal imbalance through insulin resistance, through the brain. So there's a big connection between the brain and the ovary, uh, which we explain in as simple language as possible in the book. But what happens, uh, so there's a big study in the UK, uh, Dave, just come out from the Biobank Oxford study study, 172,000 men, I think, or 175,000 men. And they found that men who have sisters and mothers who are carrying excess weight or have polycystic ovary syndrome symptoms may have increased signs of uh, frontal balding. They may have excess high triglycerides on the blood You know, the lipid levels, cholesterol, triglycerides, they may have increased waist circumference, they may have type 2 diabetes. So they show all the characteristics of PCOS. uh, But of course, in PCOS, you have the metabolic symptoms, which are the signs of insulin resistance, where your body is become resistant to the action of insulin, the hormone produced by the pancreas, which helps to move glucose from your bloodstream that is broken down from the food that you eat, from the banana, from the potatoes, you know, all the healthy foods that you eat, it has to be broken down to glucose. Why? Because our muscles, our liver, our brains, they all function on glucose. So it's really important for this insulin to do its action. But when that um, insulin receptor is either defective or it is blocked by fat, such as saturated fat, uh, you know, from uh, ultra processed foods or from animal foods, so what happens is insulin cannot do its action. So going on a low-carb diet is not the answer because when you're still eating high-protein uh, animal uh, foods the, and high-fat, uh, saturated-fat foods, the although your sugar levels won't rise because there is no glucose in that, you're making your insulin resistance worse. That's why we know losing a bit of weight actually helps with uh, insulin resistance, but also changing the way you eat. So, um, So what we know is that Um, Polycystic ovary syndrome comes with metabolic symptoms of insulin resistance resulting in excess weight, uh, also, you know, darkening of your skin called acanthosis nigricans, blood sugar issues, control and things like that. It also comes with reproductive problems because it's the most common, the most common cause of infertility in women, the most common. And one in 10 women have polycystic ovary syndrome, but certain subgroups, those who are trying to conceive, those who carry excess weight, certain uh, uh, populations such as Asian and Hispanic groups, the, the risk may be as high as one in four. But the sad news about this, Dave, is that three quarters of women will never get a diagnosis, never get a diagnosis. Why? Because there are other symptoms of PCOS, such as anxiety, depression, OCD, uh, increased risk of taking one's own life, uh, as well as sleep issues, sleep disturbances, sleep apnea. So what happens is if I have PCOS and I have irregular periods, I might go to see a gynecologist. If I'm having fertility issues, I might go to see a fertility specialist. If I'm having uh, weight issues, I might go to see a dietitian. If I have anxiety or depression uh, or OCD, uh, I might go to see a a psychiatrist. If I have binge eating disorder symptoms, I may go to see a therapist. If I have um, uh, sleep issues, I might go to a sleep clinic. So what happens is, The the poor person is caught in the middle and nobody's joining the dots. Nobody's asking all the relevant questions to say, you have a diagnosis of polycystic ovary syndrome. This is what you can do because without knowing what you have, it's very hard to treat any, any condition. So that is why one has to understand that this is the most common condition, most common endocrine disorder to affect women, but it has psychological um, uh, issues that are uh, manifested, metabolic uh, problems and reproductive health issues. And often half the women who are carrying excess weight, even if you are not, because two out of uh, 10 women are not carrying excess weight, they're known as lean PCOS. Type two diabetes is a real problem by the age of 40. And then there are pregnancy issues. So even if you jump the hurdle of getting pregnant, you then are faced with increased risk of miscarriage, increased risk of uh, pregnancy related diabetes. You are uh, have increased risk of having uh, premature labors and high uh, blood pressure. So there are so much, it's so complex that the US spent $8 billion last year on pregnancy-related complications in those with PCOS and diabetic-related complications. And still, we don't talk about it. Still, it's not a public health issue. Still, endometriosis is not a public health issue. Adenomyosis is the cousin of endometriosis. Tends to affect, not always, but tends to be seen more often as women get older, so in their 40s, where you suddenly notice that over time, your periods have got heavier, have got more painful, when they actually shouldn't be that painful. So in that situation, you should, especially if you've had cesarean sections, because that can increase your risk of adenomyosis. It's a cousin of endometriosis. If somebody in the family has got endometriosis, that increases your risk. If somebody has a, a history, family history, uh, or a personal history of endometriosis, that increases your risk. If you yourself have got, um, if you know that somebody in the family has got adenomyosis and had to have a hysterectomy because of that, that increases your risk. What, how you eat, and uh, your um, overall health also dictates as to whether you have these conditions. So what's the distinction in
0: those two, Dr. Nitu? What's 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 the distinction between those two? You're so endometriosis,
1: like is, yeah, endometriosis is outside adenomyosis. So it affects the outside. So it affects your ovaries, the back of your womb, the bowels. It is tissue that can be found in your lungs, in your nose. It's a very, comp. we don't know exactly why it occurs. It's not just menstrual blood coming and sticking itself out. But we do know that uh, endometriosis is more modern. It's a more modern condition because uh, women used to have about 10 or 15 periods in their lifetime. So your great, great, great grandmother, because she was fortunate enough to survive, what would happen is she would have a baby at, say, 14 or 15 once she started her periods. She would then be uh, breastfeeding or nursing Um for about two, three years, then she would get pregnant again if she was lucky to be alive. So women would have 10, 15 children if they were lucky to be alive, but most women died in childbirth. And by the time they reached 35, 40, which was the average life expectancy, they would have had about a handful of periods, 10 periods. We women now would have between 350 to 500 periods in our lifetime. And that is to do with the fact that we are having 0, 1, 2, 3, Four children at the most. And, and that does not mean to say that we should go and start getting pregnant uh, when we don't want to because pregnancy is a very dangerous business. So, but we have to understand that when you have all these numbers of periods, it increases our risk of various women's health conditions as well, especially anemia from heavy periods. One in five women are anemic uh, from having heavy periods. And it shocks me every week, I'll see at least one person who's been investigated for everything, except nobody's asked them about their periods. Okay, Nobody. Yeah. They're having iron transfusions, blood transfusions. They're having colonoscopies. They're having everything. Nobody's asked them what are their periods like. The, the most common cause of anemia is heavy periods. So ask yourself that question. Make your doctor think about that question because such good treatment is available for Treatment of heavy periods. You don't, and your doctor doesn't have to decide for you whether you're any uh, heavy periods or not. What you have to is if you think you have heavy periods, though that is considered heavy periods. That's important. That definition is very clear. So if you think you have heavy periods, your doctor can run some very simple tests of, you know, checking your iron levels, checking your iron stores, and giving you the right advice. So much of information. I discuss a lot of this on my website, which has got about 40 different uh, free fact sheets, maybe even 50. To try and educate people as to what is acceptable and what is not because if you don't know what is okay like if you don't know what your body is meant to do how are you going to tell people or how are you going to know when things are not right isn't it you know cra- something is, is not right but you don't know what it is
0: but isn't it so crazy in the modern world and so much information that as you said periods aren't even regarded or questioned about at all or to a minimum degree it's so it's such an important indicator of a female's body what's going on inside the body because it's so
1: absolutely And periods should be, I have a whole um, section where I talk about periods being the fifth vital sign. Uh, Dave, I don't know if you know what vital signs are, but vital signs are, say when you go into the hospital, the nurse or the doctor will check your temperature, your pulse, your respiratory rate, your, you know, your um, uh, rest, uh, what do you call it? Um, Blood pressure. And those are the four vital signs to see whether you're alive and breathing and things like that. doesn't tell you everything, but they are the very important signs to say whether you're alive. But periods are the fifth vital sign. This is very clear from the Royal College, um, from the American College of Pediatrics and of Why? Because when you miss out on asking, it's not just about whether you're pregnant or not, because now we have tried to bring that information out throughout, that any woman who walks through the though should have in the reproductive age group should have a a pregnancy test because sometimes they may be still having periods and are actually pregnant and you you can't operate on them. They may have an ectopic pregnancy and things like that. But what one has to understand is you may have a broken leg and you are actually in the accident and emergency department. And if somebody doesn't ask you about your periods, They may not realize that you have osteoporosis uh, from an eating disorder, for example, or you may have a, a chronic health condition, whatever it is. So, there are so many reasons why period is a great indicator. If you're not on hormonal medication, periods on their own are a great indicator to tell you what your overall health is. Okay. Your body bu- on-
0: talking to you again. Yes. that's your it's soft.
1: absolutely fine if you're on hormonal medication, you don't need to have a period, but that doesn't mean to say you shouldn't be aware of what your cycle lengths were before, what your periods were like before and afterwards. It's really important to know that. But absolutely, if you're on hormonal contraception, whether it's the coil, the hormone containing coil or the pill, the progesterone only pill, the combined pill, you don't need to have a period. You can be going month by month and have no periods and that's not going to do you any harm your body is giving you the right amount of hormones but if you have an eating disorder for example what can happen is your estrogen levels drop and your bones can get very thinned out and things like that a functional hypothalamic amenorrhea there are so many conditions which we don't want to go into great details but i hope your listeners have understood why periods are so important what Mm -hmm. is a normal period what is the length of a normal period, what is meant by endometriosis, adenomyosis, which is deep internal endometriosis. Endometriosis is outside endometriosis. Adenomyosis is deep internal endometriosis. What is polycystic ovary syndrome? But, you know, it's a lot of information to take Mm. on. So what I would say to people is go onto my website, read about the conditions that interest you, even if you are a man, because really this is I've had now so many men, Dave, reading the book, uh, partners who are saying, oh my God, and my husband throughout the book, he kept, when I was, he used to read the chapters, he would say, oh my God, I did not know this. Why was I not taught this in medical school? Totally,
0: yeah. No, I think it's really important, like for both sexes, because the thing is, it's like, even for me, as I said, my awareness of all of this has increased my fascination in the last few years. And it's, you know, being with partners who have actually suffered so, so much, From whether people like that, you know, they even have a coil or some form of contraception, but they're still going through immense pain or pre-period and just bedridden and genuine immense pain for a week. And want to know, okay, like if you have to get two people, one might know a lot, the other could know a bit more and then you help each other. This is why. Correct. Correct. Talking, communication. Exactly. Both partners become more and more educated in all these kind of areas. And, and I
1: think it also helps men to become more aware of their bodies because men think that breast cancer, uh, which of course is much more common in women and one in seven women in the UK, uh, I don't know exactly uh, in Ireland, but one in seven women in the UK, one in eight in the US will get a diagnosis, sadly, and men get breast cancer too. And men have a high risk of prostate cancer. Uh, and while a lot of prostate cancer may not be very serious, You know, it is cancer at the end of the day, and if you're a young person, uh, getting a diagnosis like that is not fun because you you may need surgery and you can be left with impotence, incontinence, and things like that. And breast cancer risks and prostate cancer risks uh, like ovarian cancer and womb cancer and colon cancer are all very closely linked to the six lifestyle pillars, Uh, So, um, especially things like smoking, alcohol. Uh, and we know that, you know, consuming dairy, for example, increases the risk of aggressive prostate cancer by quite a significant amount. Uh, um, uh- Percentage while eating soya, which men a lot of men are scared of, actually reduces your risk of uh, prostate cancer. Lovely lot of studies from the American Journal of Nutrition showing that prostate cancer, bowel cancer, liver cancer, ovarian cancer, womb cancer, breast cancer, all reduced when you regularly intake soya for women and that's for it. men. Uh, for men, prostate cancer as
0: well. Yeah, I think this is something that's really important. Like there's so much myths and misinformation out there, and definitely yes. around soya. So clarify for we people. have a whole yeah. chapter actually
1: Yeah. we have a whole chapter Brilliant. In, yes and on it's my needed. website for those who don't want to buy the book I have a whole fact sheet of the role of soya on men and women and on their health so please read that because there's so much misconceptions yeah. so many much misunderstanding. but I'm happy to bust some myths
0: here yeah exactly like I think it's really important because I hear this all the time you know and it's clarified the actual reality around soya for both men and women
1: Yes. So, soya is basically, what is soy? Soya is a bean, okay? Just like your chickpea, just like your kidney bean, it's a bean. It comes under the group of legumes, glycine, maxine max okay it was first picked up in uh, grown in china we think between 3000 to 5000 years ago it is what i call a magic bean because it is so rich in protein and fiber it is uh, got all the essential amino acids in the right proportion like egg white but without any of the nasties okay so it's got fiber it's got the right amounts of protein it's got minerals it's got micronutrients vitamins it's got all that. What it also has in addition like chickpeas and kidney beans and all the other beans that you have, it has got something called isoflavones or phytoestrogens or plant estrogens. Plant estrogens are very weak estrogens that are very much. So these are very magic. Why are they so magic? Because they work on bones to increase bone strength. They work on the breast when you have low levels of estrogen to promote breast growth in puberty. But When you have high levels of estrogen coming in from excess body fat or from, uh, you know, dairy and um, red meat and things like that, what it does is it competes for the the same uh, receptors because it works only on the beta receptors. So it basically can either block the effect of estrogen or it can promote the effect of estrogen. That's what makes it so clever. Like chickpeas, like berries, like flaxseed powder, lignans also have the similar action, but soya is queen, you know, soya is the jack and the beanstalk, the magic beans, you know, what it does, it really helps to reduce breast cancer, bowel cancer, because it's anti-angiogenetic, which basically means that it kills the cancer cells by working on the way the blood vessels work it also helps to lower lipid profiles and cholesterol levels fermented tofu uh, fermented uh, soy is really very good so you want to have tempeh tofu so you want to have between 2 to 4 portions of soy uh, how much and that depends on your activity if you're is that a runner per week or, a, or per day per day Per day, So you would have a cup of soy milk uh, and a handful of edamame beans. You would have, uh, say, uh, 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 um, a handful of edamame beans and a handful of tofu or a tempeh burger. So between two to four portions. I eat about four portions of soy every day uh, because if you're menopausal, if you have high levels of, of physical activity, you want to increase the levels of soy because you have, you're have you eating more calories and things like that. If you're somebody who's otherwise just leading an ordinary life, then two portions as an adult. For a child, we would say about a, a portion. What is a portion? It's a handful. So a handful of edamame beans for the child is much smaller than your handful or my handful. So a handful is about 80 grams for an adult. So you would have a few pieces of tofu in your stir fry. You would have a tempeh burger. You would have a cup of soy milk or, uh, and a cup of soy yogurt or some edamame beans or mature soybeans. So you want to just have this. Why don't you want to eat 20, 30 portions? Well, first of all, we don't want to eat if you just ate only apples or if you just had a raw fruit diet or if you just ate carrots. That's not a healthy full diet okay that's a restrictive diet there is no restriction in a plant-based diet in a whole food plant-based diet there is no restriction because you're not restricting carbohydrates proteins or fats okay it's just naturally low in fat so avocados nuts seeds and tofu and all have good fats in them so that is why you want to bring soya into your life but not eating 10, 15, 20 portions of soy because then you're not going to eat your fruits, your vegetables. You want to eat between 10 and 13 portions of fruits and vegetables. What does that look like? It looks like four or five different fruits in a day. It looks like a big salad uh, or, you know, with all kinds of green leafy vegetables in it and carrots and peppers and cucumbers, that will give you, because I remember two broccoli florets, um, large broccoli florets will be a portion for an adult, two or three. So that's not a lot if you think about it, but you have to, what I tell my patients is, a lot of my patients come to me, they avoid fruit because they have this misconception that there is sugar in the uh, fruit and so they don't want to eat it. But I explain it's got fiber, avoid the fruit juice. So I'll tell them, what how, Do you eat any fruit? No, I don't eat any fruit. Do you like any fruit? Oh yes, I love grapes. Okay, will you eat grapes for the first week? A handful of them. Oh yes, I can do that. Okay, I also like satsumas. Okay, the next week, will you add a couple of satsumas to your diet daily? Oh yes, I can do that. Oh, I love mango, but I was told it's really bad for me. So suddenly they're eating four or five fruits over a period of a month or two without realizing it. Same thing with vegetables. Oh I hate vegetables. My daughter doesn't like vegetables. Okay, what does she does she like carrots? Oh she likes carrots. <laughs> okay, she likes peas. So suddenly you're encouraging people to start where they are, not suddenly jumping to 10 portions of fruit and veg, oh. actually teaching them where. Same thing with soy. Oh, I feel very worried about soy. Okay, so start with just having some soy milk in your porridge or why don't you just start with some uh, edamame beans? Everybody loves edamame beans. Put a little cup out for your child, for yourself, drizzle it with some chili flakes or lemon uh, and, and um, you know pop them into your mouth like little uh, popcorn so it's just meeting people where they are but yeah. soya oh. is safe if you have a thyroid condition um, what we tell if you're on thyroxine for example do make sure that you have enough iodine in your diet because most uh, people you know we want people to cut down on their salt but for example uh, I know in the UK salt is not iodized Uh, And so what you want to do is, unless you're somebody who's eating seaweed regularly and things like that, what I would recommend is taking 150 micrograms of iodine. uh, And if you're on thyroxine, don't eat soya at the same time because they both compete for the same receptor. So you just leave a couple of hours. So take your thyroxine maybe at night uh, and, and finish your meal, eat your meal in the circadian rhythm. So always try to say, I always tell people, don't do unnecessary fasting if you have conditions like polycystic ovary syndrome and things. You want to be physically active. When you finish your meal, you need at least two, three hours before you go to bed. Uh, also try to, uh, you know, go for a walk or do some stretches or something within half an hour of eating a meal so that your blood sugar levels drop nicely and they don't, uh, you don't have those spikes. And that's for everybody, actually. You know, no. it's not just for people with these... Life,
0: lifestyle, again, to it's lifestyle. It's
1: lifestyle. So, and it's oh. like a domino effect, Dave. So when you look at people's sleep, If you're having disturbed sleep, you were somebody like me who does night shifts and things like that. When you have disturbed sleep, your cortisol levels go up. I suspect I went through early menopause or premature ovarian uh, insufficiency at the age of 38. And even though I was a doctor right, to become a consultant, I did not know any science about what was happening to me I did not know where to turn for any holistic lifestyle approaches at all you know I knew I should be taking HRT but of course those this is 20 years ago 22 years ago so that was a time when there was a lot of misconception about hormone replacement so even as doctors we were confused so What I'm trying to explain is that you want to be actually looking at every aspect of the six pillars. So if you don't sleep well, what happens is your cortisol levels rise. When your cortisol levels rise, the next lifestyle pillar, which is stress, gets uh, your stress levels rise. When your stress levels rise, you reach out for foods that are not necessarily uh, nourishing for you. When you eat those sort of foods, you feel sluggish and lack of energy. So you don't want to exercise. When you don't want to exercise, you then feel bad about yourself. So you don't want to go out and socialize with your friends or go uh, you know, and laugh and be in part of a community. Then you might reach for the cigarette and the alcohol. Can you see it's like a domino effect? Exactly. So it's the same thing. When you reach and have a big vibrant salad, You say, oh, I've eaten really well. I'm going to go for a walk. When you go for a walk, I'll take a friend with me. So then you laugh. And so community, when you're in nature, then you're doing forest bathing. It's lovely. You're seeing trees and flowers and it's all lovely. When you then go for a walk, what happens is your stress levels come down. You do some deep breathing. You then go to bed happier and you know, sleeping better. So you then say, oh, you know what, I'm going to skip that glass of alcohol because alcohol is a class one carcinogen is implicated in seven cancers, including breast cancer. Even drinking a single glass of wine, especially in the menopause, will increase our breast cancer risk by 12%. And for every three units that you drink, it increases it further. So the, there are no- that's really
0: important, Dr. Netu, in terms of just how big an impact even a small amount has, because society... Uh, so there's
1: no... There's yes. no minimal amount of alcohol yeah. that is safe. For society makes out women.
0: like it is. Like society yes. says, oh, actually, look, it's only a drink. But yes. every little thing that has a negative yes. impact.
1: But what I would say to people is that be very mindful. If you are somebody who wants to have an a, a, a alcoholic drink, then Think and do it very intentionally. Do it because you're doing a celebrity toast or you're sitting with company and you're having a drink. Don't binge drink. If you're going to drink, try to mix it with sparkling water, alternate it with non-alcoholic wines because it's when you're in company, you will get that same high. You don't need to have a high with alcohol and you don't need to be woken up or relaxed with alcohol. And you don't need to be uh, woken up with lots of caffeine. You need to work out for yourself how much caffeine you can drink and remember in pregnancy there is no safe limit of caffeine at all it increases the risk of stillbirths and things so it's really important to work out for yourself are you somebody who metabolizes caffeine very quickly are you somebody who actually has a low for days on end after alcohol people don't realize how much their sleep is disturbed you know so it's really useful go for a run Uh, Things like that, which might actually bring you the same endorphins that, (laughs) you know, hug hug somebody because you'll get oxytocin release. So I, I just want people to realize it's not that you have to completely give up everything. I just want you to be mindful and think, what can I do to make this life of mine better? healthier and if you can't afford it go to shops at the end of the day go to the supermarket towards the end of the shopping day the prices are brought down go to the local shops go to the farmer's market you will get things for much cheaper because I am very aware that not everybody can sit there and eat blueberries and flaxseed powder and and but you can actually get these at, because fresh produce especially the prices come down buy beans that are dried rather than in cans so that you can again buy in bulk go to the Indian local Indian shop or the Middle Eastern shop because you will get so much vibrant food and beans and potatoes and sweet potatoes because these are all healthful foods you know people who tell you that so one trick about potatoes because I know the Irish love their potatoes and love I am a potatoes, great fan yeah. Yeah. Eat my body weight in potatoes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. always try to eat the potatoes with the skin And try to double cook your uh, potatoes. So not fried potatoes, but you want to boil them, mash them, Uh, you can roast them if you want to. But what you want to do is when you cool them and you heat them again, then the resistant starch increases. So that makes it even more healthful. So, you know, you can alternate it between potatoes with skin and and potatoes with skin. You want to have things like nuts and seeds, lots of herbs on your, uh, and start every meal with a salad. When you focus on whole food, plant-based foods, then if you occasionally treat yourself to a vegan pizza or to a piece of chocolate cake, you know, um, or a piece of chicken or whatever that if, you, if you're if you that, if you are not somebody who's 100% plant-based, then keep those as treats rather than eating them because you think they're good for you. Because what is good for you over and over again, the science has shown is eating whole plant foods, legumes, beans, lentils, soya, whole grains, you know, red rice, brown rice, wild rice, millet, amaranth, you know, uh, porridge oats, oats, quinoa, fruits, vegetables, you know, the global burden of disease uh, study, which looked at 195 countries, I think, basically showed that, uh, you know, the doesn't matter what else you ate, but if you didn't eat enough fruits and vegetables, whole grains and legumes, you had, you, you could prevent 11 million deaths, 11 million deaths. Yeah. so I hope I've given okay. your audience enough information to go away whether they were uh, you know whatever the agenda so yeah. I hope it's been helpful
0: because what's what's really important in your message is it's about taking small steps in the right direction it's not about Absolutely. taking giant leaps or completely transforming your lifestyle because as diets have proven for decades they don't work you know they you have work. to make small steps in the right direction and everyone can and you will it. fail
1: you will fail. Yeah. Every situation where you don't do it sustainably, when you don't do it in small increments, you will tend to fail. I'm not saying everybody, but that's hmm. what all the studies have shown. Majority, yeah. Majority of things, you will lose weight. You can lose weight in, on any diet low carb, paleo, keto. You can, you know, be on cocaine or smoke yeah, a yeah. lot or uh, on alcohol, whatever. You can lose weight in any of those ways. They're not healthful ways. Healthful way by eating more whole plant foods on your plate. Every time you load your plate, think how can I bring more color onto it? How can I bring more vibrancy onto it? How can I bring more joy onto it? Because we are, we are not isolated human beings. We are also living on a planet that is heading towards climate change. And one of the biggest things you as an individual can do is what you put into your mouth. So every time think, can I eat some more potatoes with baked beans instead of putting tuna on my baked potatoes? Can I uh, have, you know, porridge oats instead of, or tofu scramble instead of uh, uh, an omelet? Uh, You know, little simple things like that. Make those little changes and you will be so surprised how much, you know, joy you will get, there is no restriction, how much vibrant you will feel. And you will also want to talk about it to everybody because you will be feeling this. I don't know of any patient of mine who has not actually benefited uh, in this way. So, and I have a lot of recipes on my website. So anybody who doesn't know how to transition, uh, both Rohini, my daughter, who's my co-author of the book, Living PCOS Free, her website and my website have lots of information, recipes that will hold your hand through to actually explain to you how you can eat, uh, you know, in, in a kind way that aligns with your uh, body with your morals and with the rest of the world Mm, that's where
0: like you you know you provide so much information on your website and recipes and everything it's great and it's like it's another myth that you know we being vegan or plant-based is just so boring and tasteless when it's the complete opposite because there are no rules there's yeah. so many combinations and so yes. many colors and tastes.
1: It's great if you can go vegan, but you don't have to be.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: veganism is an ethical philosophy uh, and and is great when you have a purpose as to why you're eating the way you're eating. Uh, but it is much more than that. It is actually... Uh, you know, being kinder to the planet, kinder to the animal suffering, but also kind to yourself. Remember what we started the podcast with self-care, self-love. You know, when you eat these foods that reduce inflammation, you will improve your chances of being around for your family much longer, you know, reduce your risk of heart disease, cancers, stroke, dementia. Dementia is the biggest killer of for women in the UK. 18% of deaths is overtaken heart disease and cancer. That's how sad and scary it is. We don't we we're all living longer but we need to live better we Boldly. need yes we don't want to spend the last 20-25 years not recognizing our family not recognizing our loved ones we don't want to spend it in a hospice we want to be you know around and die in our sleeps asleep like the blue zone uh people you know in japan exactly. and italy and greece and and loma linda so yeah
0: it's like, it's like longevity but with vitality like we want to have yes,
1: both
0: quality life that matters so Dr. Andrew, like that is an unbelievable amount of information you've managed to put in. So your passion shines through. Um, tell people a little bit more about your book. I know we've touched on it a few times, where they can get it, any other key teachings or points you'd like to make about it.
1: Okay, so you can reach me either through uh, my website. Uh, you can read about my information on my website, nitubajekel uh, and I'm also on social media on TikTok as well as on Instagram as Dr. Nitu Bajekel. Uh, yes, I know a sixty year old on TikTok, but that's, <laughs> that's has to that's be the done. Way it how is. to exactly. share the knowledge? And we've just come out with our book, Living PCOS Free, Living Polycystic Ovary Syndrome Free: How to Regain Your Hormonal Health. As I said, this is not a book just for people with PCOS, living with PCOS. It's not just a book for women who are looking to regain their hormonal health, whether they have period issues, endometriosis, adenomyosis, fibroids. It's also for their partners. It's also for their loved ones. It's for anybody because part one uh, does a deep dive into period issues as well as the body and then uh, into polycystic ovary syndrome. Part two is all about informed health choices. so informed health choices that look at sleep in detail, stress, look at uh, plant-based nutrition completely, looks at uh, alcohol, smoking, community, social network, exercise so that is relevant for everybody then part three it goes into individual symptoms acne excess hair growth hair loss excess weight what can you do about excess weight racism in medicine Uh, it's got every anxiety depression so again relevant for everybody you know it's yes it's got a focus on pcos but relevant for everybody and then the part four and it's got a lot of myth busters and patient case studies as well and it's all in blocks so it's got it's a big book four hundred 70 pages but it's got so many references everything is evidence-based and it's got at least 33 recipes by my daughter Roini. a couple of them are mine I think have sneaked in <laughs> the tofu scramble I think is mine yeah. and and we have got a whole chapter on soya we also have uh, uh, composite case studies which means that um, you know patients of mine I've m- uh, used different names different uh, background and but they're all real patients and how they're being helped and then there are PCOS pointers so part one well actually all parts are relevant for everybody but particularly if you ha- want to know more about hormonal health and even more particularly because it is no- this is the i would say i wanted to write this book because i saw so many of my patients get better i was writing a general book when rohini my daughter who's herself living with pcos and has got control of it she's a nutritionist she said to me mom why are you writing a general book you're going to be writing three pages on menopause three pages on endometriosis another few pages on polycystic ovary syndrome you have 35 years of experience why don't you use that information to uh you know help people so that's why i'm now on my path of writing i think i don't know how many people mm. my second book on menopause i've uh, already done the outline and as that's soon as it. i get a minute away from my garden and from summer yeah. i shall start writing but that's how polycystic ovary syndrome because it's a condition that is stigmatized it's a condition that people don't understand so i felt i needed to start with this so mm. that people actually are able to just go to a one-stop place. And we kept it without any colorful uh, uh, pictures. We kept it without any colored pages. We kept it without hardback so that it's accessible to everybody. And we're going into libraries to leave them copies or get them to order so that if you can't afford it, you can uh, read it even then. And the e-copy or the digital copy is actually um, much cheaper as well. Um, but you can get this on Amazon, Book Depository, all over the world with free world of- free shipping in any of the regular shops waterstones WSM, not sure uh, booktopia in australia but i'm not sure in ireland who it is but actually my publisher lives in ireland
0: <laughs> yeah to be in some of the stores for sure and amazon's always there anyway so on book depository yes but yes. but look it's it's an amazing book it's amazing to have something so focused and badly needed like we said the stigma the kind of taboo around it and the lack of education yes but like we've we started at the very start you know it's all about lifestyle and most conditions and diseases are lifestyle related so Correct. if we can make positive change in our lifestyles then we can see improvement at the very
1: absolutely least. it's not that it's, you are going to be a hundred percent better mm-hmm. uh but you will feel so much better than if you just did medication or uh you know so that's important to know
0: yeah again goes back to taking personal responsibility and totally to being empowered by the fact you do have control over a lot of what's going on in your life and your body so look you're doing amazing work your passion shines through thank and thank you just keep doing what you're doing and you look amazed to think you're 60 is unbelievable you look amazed for 60 in my
1: head I'm 30 so I don't yeah. care what the the actual chronological age says yeah,
0: exactly that's the way to be like I'm 44 I feel 21 in my head so it's trying to keep that way
1: <laughs> absolutely my mother-in-law was 94 and she would let other women who are like 60s go ahead and she said they need to go they need to take the wheelchair because you know they- I said no you're actually the oldest person here on the flight <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's That's all great. about attitude again attitude and mindset it makes such a difference totally. you know? and obviously totally. there's a the connection to ourselves then as well but uh you're doing amazing work you're great passion thank you Dave. pleasure thank you for to have you on me. pleasure to have you on i'm sure you've added so much value and knowledge to people now who hopefully will share that out there again so guys yes. make sure you share this podcast out there make sure you check out dr netto's information order living PCOS free whether it's for yourself or for somebody else Everyone needs to read this and they will get something from it. Check out the website for so much details. I'll include links to everything on the show notes. So just check them there. And as, as, as I said, share this episode out there far and wide and uh, keep taking positive action in your life. That's what we all can do every day. We have that power. Dr. Nettie. thank, thank you. you so much. Have a thank wonderful day. Thank you, Dave. Day. And keep in touch. Of course. Take thank care. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Keep up. Bye work, now. Thank forward. you again.
1: Bye, everybody. Have a lovely weekend.
0: Talk to you in the next episode. Bye, guys.
1: Bye.